guys, welcome back to Gaming Trend Podcast. This is your host, Erica. And this is the Wacky John. <laughs> this week, we have a special guest on our show. Ooh. Hi, I'm uh, Ken Sido, the CEO and co-founder of Massive Damage Games. Uh, we just launched uh, Star Renegades, uh, I guess, just over a week ago. Before we start the interview, a short summary of the game is a service bot named J5T-1N has arrived in your dimension to warn of impending doom from an overwhelming force known as the Imperium. Fight for survival across a procedurally generated and emergent mission-based campaign through reactive tactical turn-based battle system that emphasizes interrupts and counters standing in your way as an intelligent adversary system with enemy officers that evolve and move up in ranks. As your band of heroes fall in the fight against invading Imperium and hope is all lost, J5T-1N must be sent to the next dimension with everything you've learned to give the next group of heroes a chance to prevail. Each dimension each playthrough is unique, challenging, and never the same. The game is super fun. I've played it. Uh, my boss at Gaming Trend has played it. It is a unique and different perspective on JRPGs and roguelite. Uh, it's definitely, a, I've never played a kind of game like this before. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we uh, spent quite a bit of time working on this game, just, just under three years, I think. And it's gone through quite a bit of iterations, but um, it, I think the end result came about to what we wanted to get out of it, which was something like a mixture of JRPG uh, style with uh, the modern uh, gameplay elements that we've seen in recent games like Slay the Spire and Into the Breach. So where did the whole idea from Star Renegades come from? What I was just saying, like we were big fans of kind of the, the classic JRPGs like uh, Chrono Trigger and Grandia. And a lot of our timeline combat system was inspired by uh, what we loved about Grandia, and but also what we loved about some of the uh, more modern roguelikes that you've seen recently, like Slay the Spire and Into the Breach. So we tried to figure out a way to combine those together to <laughs> give you that, that feeling, but mixed with, uh, you know, uh, a more modern gameplay. I've seen this new surgence of roguelite video games. How do you feel about this newfound love for roguelites? I have a theory about it. I wonder if it uh, <laughs> comes out of, I guess, maybe the gaming audience growing a little older and, um, um, you know, having kids. Uh, so they're looking for gaming experiences that are a little more compact and uh, also ones that you can come back into easily. Even if you've taken a break for a week or two, you can kind of just jump back into one of these games and, and start playing without having to remember 40 hours of storyline that you've obviously forgotten if you've taken a break for a month or so so that, that might be why uh roguelikes have kind of become more popular and yeah especially on maybe on the rpg side where which is where we're seeing uh, some of the newer ones and that's what i love about this game the characters there's so many characters uh later on in the game you find out that if you build closer relationships with the characters you create new characters and so again like you just said you could pick it up you could leave it there will be no disconnect at all, which is great, and I love it. Yeah, like that's uh, that's kind of how we position this. Like we are actually going to be. This is, I guess, maybe I'm giving it away a little bit. We we're posting <laughs> a roadmap uh, next week, and the first thing we're going to be uh, that's on that roadmap is a new character. So mm. great. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited to um, 
to show that next week sometime. Um, and then the way, the way we built this game, it, it, it makes it quite easy to kind of release more content. We have plans for releasing a whole bunch of more stuff. And you just once you get the patch, then sorry, the, the free DLC, then you can just jump in and, and be able to, you know, choose uh, that new character or whatever else we plugged into the game and um, be able to use it right away, hopefully. And then uh, that will bring the total to uh, 13 unique. Sorry, I think we have 13 unique classes now. Yes. Um, and yeah, so a new one will be 14 unique classes. Plus, if they have any, you know, uh, relationship, four star relationships uh, with other characters, then there will be uh, more variants of that character as well. Variants of the characters that they can possibly have a relationship with. I lost track of how many variants we have. <laughs> I, think it's, I think in total we have like 40, I want to say 48 That's variations awesome. that you can pick from. So. And we've already seen some people that have favorite variations of certain classes. So that's, mm-hmm. I love hearing that because then that means, you know, we, you know, our work in making these variant variants are, are being enjoyed as opposed to like, you know, they don't feel the same as, you know, as the base class. So that's exactly what we wanted to be able to like, you know, really enjoy the different variants and, and you know, uh, have them feel different enough. That makes a difference. Yeah. And as you were saying earlier, uh, you're planning on releasing some DLCs and patches. What is the future for the video game? What if you can tell us what are some DLCs you're going to release? The roadmap I'm, I'm launching this week, mid, midweek, I think, uh, that's what we're aiming for. We got a new trailer that's going to come up with it. Um, it's going to outline kind of like the next immediate stuff we want to release. And I think we, you know, we have basically uh, a two-style approach. If the content we're releasing isn't big enough for like an expansion, then it's just mm-hmm. going to be free. producing a lot of free updates and free, free DLC content uh, okay. um, until we get to a point where we feel like, you know, okay, now it's time to work, maybe work on an expansion or something. And then that that might be something where we have to charge a little something for. But of until course. then, it's going <laughs> to yeah. be... Uh, yeah, so my hope is we'll be able to put out like uh, a bunch more characters, uh, some enemies, uh, more, lots more loot, all sorts of goodies. So, and now they'll just be thrown in as soon as we get them done and tested. We'll just toss them in there, and people can enjoy it. This video game, I love the visuals. It's again totally unique to this video game. I've never personally seen anything like this. Could you talk about the art style called 2DX? Yeah, so <laughs> definitely have to credit uh, our artist, Brian Heemskirk, and our um, lead dev, uh, Lucky, in kind of putting this uh, technique together. So it's a kind of a fever dream of, of mixing, I guess, uh, really bright and colorful pixel art with uh, 3D presentation. So what you're seeing in the game is actually 3D landscapes, but it's been done in a way where... It kind of looks more like the old, like Nintendo Mode 7 mixed with, uh, obviously, modern pixel art. People have been comparing to Octopath Traveler, which I think is a very fair comparison. We've just decided to take things to a different level. So uh, if if you were to look at Octopath Traveler, they have their very beautiful presentation. But if you notice, like, all the characters and the monsters have, like, maybe, like, three or four frames of animation. Right. A lot of the... Combat effects are purely just the effects layered on top of the little bit of animation that they have. And mm-hmm. they've done it very well, so it, it feels very lively. But from an artist's perspective, you can see that, you know, there's, there isn't that much animation going on with the with the characters uh, in right. that case. And uh, we decided early on that, well, actually more like our artists decided early on, <laughs> and we had to just kind of accept it that all of our characters were going to have almost like fighting game level amount of animation. So as mm-hmm. a look, most of our boss characters and bigger enemies, they have about 400 to 500 frames of 
hand-drawn pixel art. Uh, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. So uh, it, it was a bit insane to get all this art in there. It's um, it's no joke when we we're making a new character or a new enemy to put in the game. It's not going to be like a few pixels and then just right. slap it in there. This is going to, you know, each one of these requires a fair bit of uh, effort on the art side and just you know, all the attacks have to be animated and special mm-hmm. effects and everything. And then so we have so we have that combination of like insane amount of animation with all the characters. And then we um, for all the backgrounds and the map as well, like we're doing uh, full dynamic lighting and shadows and everything like that. So that's all that put together kind of gives you that this very unique look for our game that which I think maybe might be a first for uh, for this style. So we had to come up with a name and the 2DX was, <laughs> you know, 2D with more, <laughs> even though technically it's 3D. The best way that I've, I've heard the explanation is it's 2D, but then with a pop. And it's absolutely beautiful. The colors are vibrant and amazing. Uh, again, I got my boss to play the game when I was explaining to him. And then he started playing it. He's like, oh, you were you were right. The, the graphics, the visuals, they are completely different. Never seen anything like it. Again, just a total beautiful game. I love it. Another thing that's great about the game is their battle system. Can you explain the whole counters, interrupts, the character skills? Because there's a lot that goes into the battling system. Yeah, there's a lot of layers in that. Yes. The most succinct way I can describe it is there is a timeline, and basically all the enemies, when you go into combat, all the each round is 60 seconds. The enemies declare where they're gonna be, what moves they're gonna uh, they're gonna attack you with, and who they're gonna attack, and you can see that on the timeline, and you can examine. You know, in more detail, like the exact amount of damage they're going to do, who they're going to hit. And that gives you all the information to develop your strategy to counter what's going to be coming down the pipe at you. So, and your counters can do anything from, you know, if you hit them early enough before they attack, uh, you can uh, do a critical hit, which will sometimes do extra damage, sometimes break armor, sometimes push them back on a timeline. So that will allow your other squad members to pile on maybe stronger attacks that take more time to to execute but because your other characters have pushed these guys back enough those characters can execute those stronger attacks with the critical hit component to add on as well so there's a lot of um a lot of interesting uh, ways to get synergy between your characters and their attacks to uh, really maximize uh, what you can get out of each round and then we have like uh, attack types uh, weaknesses and mm-hmm. resistances uh depending on the uh, the you know, the, the enemies that you're fighting, just to kind of layer that on top as well. And we do have a, a front and back position for the squad and enemy squads so that, some, you know, only certain attacks can hit the back position if there's uh, enemies on the front that you have to kind of get through first as well. So this is, each each fight kind of ends up being a little bit like a, like a puzzle. Um, and yes. that's intentional. <laughs> we don't have any RNG in mm-hmm. combat. So if attack says it's going to do 100 points of damage, it's going to do 100 points of damage. If your armor is take away 20 of it, then, you know, uh, you're going to receive 80 and then it's going to show that. That we definitely liked from games like Slay Aspire and Into the Breach. Uh, it's called, you know, they're, they're both uh, deterministic combat. And um, yeah, we decided that, that was the way we wanted to go with this one. What I like about the skills part is that, like we were saying before, you can build relationships with characters. And as you build relationships, there's a lot of positive um, outcomes from this. And one of them is learning new skills. So how did you go about that? Like charts? <laughs> you know, like, uh, how'd you do this? 
uh, well, we, we, you know, we have all these different characters and we basically just decided to map out which, uh, which ones would be interesting if they were allowed to kind of level themselves up to be able to create progeny, children, unique children as well. You know, sometimes unique children, sometimes just variants of each other. At the level two relationship, which is, you know, not too hard to get to as you're playing, uh, it unlocks the combo between the two characters. Once you, when you start a new run, I guess it takes a little while to get to a point where you've increased the relationship between two possible characters enough to unlock a combo. Um, but once you unlock a combo, then that ability, you're able to use it during combat. And most of them cost like a little bit of fury, which is like, a well, it's a fury, you know, as you as you fight and defend, you generate fury. And once you have enough to, to expend on a combo or other abilities, then you can just uh, uh, use that up. Essentially a limit break, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I was through, all the different things with characters that you've created on these, is there any of them that kind of your, your favorites or the ones that stand out to you the most? So, uh, as you probably can guess now, the characters are kind of like the central focus of the game. Like, it, it's uh, as you play the game, if you lose or even if you win, you come back and you, you, know, and you start a new run. It's almost always more interesting to like change up your squad and because and, and, it's very likely you unlock some new characters. And that's the most fun for me is to basically try out different combinations of, of squad combos. And, um, you know, you, A, not only because there's some really fun learning in, in, in learning how to use these characters together in combat, different dialogue for all the different characters as you level up their relationships. So you're, you're kind of just trying to unlock as much of this dialogue as you can as you as you play because um i can't remember how many words we have but it's been a very expensive <laughs> process to get all these conversations uh into the game and uh you know that's part of part of the the fun part of it for as for my favorite characters i just i really like bentley the little robot uh, pirate guy and i really like from a usability perspective i like Miriade. she's the aegis the, the shield tank okay uh, yeah, yeah, I I really like her her powers a lot because being, you know, be, defense defense in this game is very useful and very very much needed in certain uh, in certain battles. So um, yeah, that's I always kind of rely on her for for that. A unique part of this game uh, that we touched a little bit on is that the game continues after your team dies, and it, you don't get that a lot in other video games. And the cantina. I love the cantina in the video game. Amazing. And then the Imperium throne room. How'd you guys come up with that? Because in the Imperium throne room, usually in video games, you just see your teammates leveling up. In Star Renegades, you also see the enemies leveling up. So how'd you guys come up with that? Well, we didn't necessarily come up with that totally on our own. Like We were inspired by uh, the Shadow of Mordor games and their mm-hmm. nemesis system. So we wanted to do something similar to that. I mean, I think... They have this very robust system that they built that and kind of centered the whole game around. And for us, it's not the center of our game, but it, it allowed us to have a system that would make, you know, when you come back, the enemy is basically stays the same. So the enemy hierarchy stays the same no matter how many times you die. Um, right. Once that's generated, it changes and moves around, but it's, you know, it doesn't switch once you once you die or even once you win, like somebody else might take over as the overlord. Mm-hmm. And that for us worked very well in the context of how we wanted to design this game uh, was to have that be a constant thing. Same with the like the upgrades you unlock at the rebel base, mm-hmm. you know, that's a permanent thing as well. So the one thing that's not permanent is basically the characters themselves as you bring them uh, through their journeys. 
the cantina is fun. It's first time you you win the game. There's there's a surprise for you in the cantina. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, any fun Easter eggs? Well, there are some fun Easter eggs in the cantina. You know, we're I'm trying to remember what we've put in versus what we're what we haven't put in yet, but we plan to put in. So I might not be the best person to do that since uh, you know I've been worrying more about the overall company strategy and finances <laughs> so much as to literally exactly what little thing we put into the mm-hmm. game. Uh, there's definitely some. There's definitely some Easter eggs in there, I'm sh- yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't have a, f- I don't have a list in my head. No problem. <laughs> now you said this game took three years to develop. What was the developmental process of it? Chaotic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we started with a very different game concept, actually. That we, st- it was called Star Renegades at the time, and uh, there is an artifact from that early game concept. There's a enemy in the game called a Crusader, <laughs> and he rides like kind of like a space bike. Or okay. like a hover bike. That and that bike concept uh, was actually part of this earlier version of Star Renegades, which involved uh, star bikes of all things. And <laughs> anyways, we have basically a prototype for this that involved kind of more turn-based X, like kind of hex combat, maybe it's also like XCOM, but uh, using these star bikes in space. And I think our concept was interesting, but not necessarily really strong. And we were having problems getting publishers kind of interested in that. And we had to, we decided after, I think it was probably six months of working on it, that this wasn't really the direction we need, we should go in. And we kind of sat down and, and took a serious look at, at what we wanted to do as a company, as what we want to do in terms of, you know, what kind of game do we really want to make, you know, if if we have to kind of shelve this thing that we that we did. And in the end, we did shelve it and we started fresh again. And the new concept we came up with, coming up with is basically the a little bit like what we have today, although it's gone through, you know, obviously another two and a half years of development for it seemed like for a while, the earlier parts, we always felt like we. We only had maybe another six or seven months or eight months to kind of get it out the door because, uh, you know, we were uh, we only had so much funding. I think, you know, somehow we made it work, but it seemed like we were basically building, trying to build a complete game in eight months, but like three times in a row. Yes. It was, it was, eventually it worked out. But yeah, it's, it was not a simple linear process. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Was there any inspiration from video games from tv pop culture what is the biggest inspiration for this game oh uh i don't think there's any one big inspiration like i have a laundry list of (laughs) games and and shows that really kind of helped um helped us kind of frame the concept that we're we were building so uh, i mentioned this before but we are big fans of like the old school like uh, jrpgs like grandia and uh, chrono trigger some of our big favorites, even some of the newer ones like Persona as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we definitely studied a lot of these games to kind of try to understand what, what made them fun. What are the little aspects of, of them that, you know, are really cool, but not necessarily well known to be or at least well understood as to why this game succeeded. But we were trying to pick out that, OK, I think this little part here really helped kind of shape that, say, the game like Persona. Um, why is their combat feel so like punchy and, and satisfying? And it was because of their you know, like resistance and buff system and, and also the combination of uh, the uh, persona cards and stuff. Uh, on the JRPG side, 
the, the new and old. And then we took a lot of inspiration from the, the roguelikes, uh, like Dead Cells, Slate Aspire, Into the Breach. Definitely more Slate Aspire and Into the Breach. Um, but we like the way Dead Cells did their death and upgrade cycle. So we're still we're still learning. But uh, I think those are kind of like the games we took influence from. And I think from the pop culture, uh, our game definitely takes a bit of influence from, uh, what was that movie? Edge of Tomorrow. The one. Okay. But then oh, yeah. Tom Cruise, um, you know, because uh, because they have basically a, yes. a cyclical uh, nature to it. So ours is also kind of somewhat similar in that way. For anyone who's listening, if they're on the fence about getting this game, what would you tell them to push them to get it? Oh, well, I would never like push people. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it, it it's not a typical roguelike in the sense that one run can actually be quite long for some people. They can go, they can get through like their first playthrough if they manage to get all the way to the end, and whether they win or lose at the at the you know the big fight with the with the big boss. I've seen people you know take up to like say five to maybe even eight hours depending on the speed of their how long they take to make decisions and things like that. So it's quite different. Uh, it was a bit of a risk for us to kind of design it this way, but we wanted to make sure like that, you know, throughout that five to eight hour process, the unlocking of the dialogue between the characters the uh, and you know, unlocking new characters, the romance between them, plus the, the items and, and, you know, leveling up that you get that you get kind of like a five to eight hour JRPG slash tactical RPG experience. That's a lot of fun. Even if you do lose, um, we made sure like once you get back to level base, you have enough uh, prestige or Imperium tech points to unlock a few new things. And you definitely unlock at least one or two more characters so you can play around with the squad composition and mm-hmm. kind of go back in. And you don't necessarily have to go back in right away. Like it's, it's a game that's you know, that's easily playable like in little chunks. You don't have to play it all in one one session. So that's kind of I think people who like traditional RPGs will still like the game even if they feel like they don't really like roguelikes. And I think people who really like roguelikes will will still like the game and they may find themselves liking the more little bits of traditional RPG elements that we put into a game because it's not typically in uh, D style of roguelike games. It's kind of a little bit for for lots of different people, but I think we somehow managed to put it together in a way that's compelling. <laughs> Coming from my point of view, I completely agree with you. I'm very much an RPG girl. Love playing RPGs. Picking up this game, you know, I was like, well, will I like it? I know it's a, you know JRPG, but it's also very roguelike. Uh, but I love it. It's a beautiful game. Love the characters. I even love the villains. You know, the the whole visuals, I just, I can't get enough of. Uh, you can play this game once, and the hundredth time you play it, it's still going to be a new, different game. Uh, just because the maps are generating, they generate differently for each playthrough. It's a great game, and I absolutely love it. Uh, but thank you so much, Mr. Ken, through, you know, talking this game through us. Is there anything that you guys have been going on right now a new game in the timeline anything new uh first off thanks so much for the uh, kind words i'm really happy that you, you guys are enjoying the game um that's something you know when you work on something for like three years and you put that baby out into the world it's uh, yeah. <laughs> uh you know it's a bit stressful and it's, uh, we're glad to see that you know our reviews and everything else is kind of going on right now with the launch has been got, has gone very well and and we're super grateful for that 
Um, as for us, we're right now we're really actually still focused on Star Renegades. Like we uh, have a lot of content that we've been dreaming up. Uh, that we, you know, you know how games are. You have to basically finish the game, and then there's like a pocket of time where, you know, you're waiting for all the the approvals and the, and the, you know, uh, with the different platforms. And in that time space, we've been dreaming up of more stuff we want to add to the game, and and that's something we're going to be working on for I don't know, like. I think we can. There's easily justification for us to keep adding to the game for years to come. So I think we'll just have a dedicated chunk of the team um, to continue adding content and you know tweaking and adjusting and fixing obviously any bugs that come up as well for uh, for a while. We do have an idea for the next game, but way too early to talk about it yet. <laughs> Understandable. <Yeah. laughs> um, it's likely probably in somewhere in the you know strategy simulation rpg space that's kind of our thing so um yeah i don't think we're gonna go off and make an fps or anything so that's uh, <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna stick to the area that we enjoy and what we, and the games that we love to play where can our listeners find this video game and what platforms is it on and will be on all right, it's on, uh, yeah, just look for Star Renegades on Steam, and it's on GOG, it's on the Humble Store, it's also on uh, Windows Game, uh, Windows, is it called Windows Game Pass or Xbox Game Pass for Windows? I think it's one of those. Uh, it's one of those. It's yeah. Very yeah. Complicated. <laughs> um, and we're working on all the console versions right now. I don't have a confirmed date for that, but we're aiming for basically this fall. That's about all I can say because we're still waiting for all the approvals and and locking down exactly when we'll be able to uh get this into playstation uh, xbox and the switch i'm definitely going to be picking up for the switch so i'm excited i'm excited for that release Uh, again thank you mr ken and you guys stay tuned for the rest of this episode thanks so much for having me uh and that was a wonderful time we had with mr ken and dear god i need to play this game some more I really you have do. to. Yes. No, I'm I'm dead serious. It, it's, it, I still I still maintain what's like the fight scenes. It still reminds me of like, you know, Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy 3 got mashed with Marvel versus Capcom. I don't know where you're getting that from. That's the vision. It does not remind me of Capcom versus Marvel at all. Yes, it does. For me, it does because I'm strange and weird and everything else. But anyways, you're on a crack. Oh, I know. But you know what though? There's just so many things with this that, and everything else that's going on right now that just screams "Shut up and take my money." Shut up and take my money. The first one is amazing. Completely forgot about it until you mentioned it again. Eighties American girl doll. What? Okay, first of all, amazing. My girl, her name is Courtney, okay? The accessories, uh, they are instantly familiar to anyone who grew up in the 80s, okay? Even someone who was born in the 90s, I knew what the heck these were, okay? Yeah, you see, I lived it live. (laughs) (laughs) She has a see-through phone for her bedroom. Her room also has a Caboodles carrying kit to organize her scrunchies and her lip smackers. She has a Care Bear PJ set that matches her Care Bear sleeping bag, ready for sleepovers, okay? There's tiny folders with a neon-colored dolphin and unicorn, mixtapes on cassette, and handwritten liner notes. A funny pack and slouchy socks. Oh, yeah, those things. Those were, I remember these live, where it was like knee highs, 
but then you scrunch them down. So kind of like leg warmers? Yes. It was the 80s. We were weird. There was a lot of cocaine in the world. So that's what all the designs came from, was just massive doses <laughs> of cocaine. Is that what and that then was? Na- okay. Yes. And the, and the 90s was us coming off of the cocaine high from the 80s. <laughs> but it was the 80s. It was awesome. It was colorful. It was the future era where everyone thought, okay, this is how we're going to dress come 2020. And then look at us now. I do miss vibrant colors. Like in the early 90s and the 80s vibrant colors like you could get away with it i'm seeing a little bit more um but usually only edgy people wear vibrant neon colors like back in the day everyone wore it you know what i'm saying like that was the oh, it was, two colors it was neon everything and then the color green was that bright neon green which is called acid green like oh and which probably explains why i'm colorblind because that's the only colors i can see right now is if some bright bright colors that can tell what they are but still care bears oh my god that is awesome. But still, it's like, I right, see, I lived this. I lived this. Yes. I'm old. <laughs> you just got it through hand-me-downs. I did. I'm going to be, yeah, I got it through hand-me-downs. Uh, I love the caboodle kit. Adorable. Every girl, every girl wanted a caboodle kit. It's amazing. Uh, 110 bucks. Not that bad. It's adorable. I don't even, like, honestly, I do have a slight phobia of dolls. We've gone over this. But this is adorable. I thought it was just furries that you were scared of. The oh, dolls, too. No, yeah, no, I have a slight oh. phobia of China dolls. Oh, I know what to get you for Christmas now. No, it's going in the trash. I'm going to be no, honest. They're just going to reap, they're just going to appear at your house just no, randomly. No, they're not. And they're going to, every time I'm over, I'm going to move them just a little bit, and it's going to be like the nightmare from toys. Their faces are weird. My mom, for some reason, had Victorian China dolls, and they had painted on teeth, and they're in shape of, like, little daggers. And I don't know if that scarred me as a child, but I do have a slight phobia of China dolls. Oh, thank you for telling me that. (laughs) Our next one, Final Fantasy Chocobo Crystal Hunt Card Game. Target is selling this on their website. Uh, I know that Square Enix has been selling it for a minute, but I did not know that you could get it from Target. It's on sale now for $72.99, and Target just got in their expansion pack as well. This is a description of the game. Help the Chocobos out on their crystal hunt. Send your cute Chocobos on a journey to steal your opponent's crystals before they steal yours. Use your intuition and observation skills in its fast-paced, fun, and addictive game for all ages. All cards featured brand new illustrations made specifically for the Chocobo Crystal Hunt. This is not a trading card game. Everything necessary to play the game is included in this package, so you're good to go right out of the box. Okay, so there we go. Chocobos stealing. That's awesome right there. (laughs) I don't trust Chocobos at all. Why? Chocobos are sacred, beautiful animals. They're still thieves. I love the Chokey Bows. Love, love this. The art is beautiful. It's 72 bucks. Uh, it's kind of a fair, but, you know, Target, they kind of hand out, you know, coupons, stuff like that. Get some Target gift cards. Pick up the game. Ooh, Target does seem to have everything right now, especially tabletop games. I love their tabletop games. And depending on which one you go, you might be able to catch a deal on it and be on clearance. Yes, sir. That is very true. Let's venture into some Nani this week. Oh, we are going to have some sad Nani on this one. Uh, Sadly, yesterday, our Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died Friday evening. 
It's it's sad. A lot of people are saying this is giving President Donald Trump um, and Senate Republicans uh, a rare opportunity to solidify the conservative control over the court, perhaps in decades to come. Uh, a lot of people are saying that we should wait till after the election to select a new justice. I don't know. I don't. It's just so sad. Well, I know the Senate is pushing for it. But it's still a sad day because she was an insp- inspiring lady for all the yes. stuff that she fought for. And even with all the stuff, because she passed away with complications with pancreatic, lung, and colon cancer, yet she still showed up every day to do her job. She is an inspiring woman. And it is sad that she passed. And all we can do is remember her legacy. She was 87 years young. She stood up for women's rights. She believed women should be anywhere that votes and decisions are being made. It's really sad. And I'm really worried about how things will end up. I'm really worried about the state of our future as Americans. Well, we shall see what, what comes up with all of this. But granted, I do believe it should wait till after the election. But I do agree. Yeah. But let's get into some happy, crazy, naughty news. You know, it, it's a weird segue, but we're going to segue to this. <laughs> I never thought I would ever see this. A dentist pulling a tooth while riding a hoverboard is sentenced to 12 years in prison. This is something like, you know, straight out of like jackass that I would expect. The The hoverboard is a cursed gadget that keeps on giving years after the vices became infamous for randomly exploding on people and catching fire. They're back in the news this week. Seth Lookhart, a former dentist in Anchorage, Alaska, was sentenced to 12 years in jail after a video of him removing a patient's tooth while riding a hoverboard, drew unwanted attention to his illegal activities. Lockhart was convicted on 46 different counts of felonies. Like, wow! What else did he do? <laughs> I'm curious myself. I'm, I'm having a hard time looking up some of this stuff, but it still keeps coming back to the hoverboard. Yeah, this is just a tip. Of an iceberg in Alaska, okay? Like, what else he be doing? And it says that this video drew attention to him, which drew attention to his illegal activities. I mean, 46 felony misdemeanor counts, but it included charges of medical assistance fraud, scheme to defraud, unlawful dental acts, and reckless endangerment. What the hell was this guy doing? <laughs> I don't know, but it's like he's using a hoverboard. The only thing I could think of, we couldn't find, I couldn't find the video on this. I was find it was the articles. Um, the only thing that passed my mind, he's riding a hoverboard. He's already got the rope tied off to the guy's, <laughs> guy's tooth in his face. Yeah. And just going full tilt and yanking. Like, that's equivalent to like a kid that had a loose tooth. You tie a string to it to the doorknob and slam the door. But still, it's like the other things that go with this, like, it is Alaska. Alaska is the last wild state. You get what I'm saying? That's like the last wild frontier. Alaska is its own fucking country. Uh, shit is crazy in Alaska. And this is something I would expect in the Florida man, because, you know, America <laughs> is the melting pot of the world, but Florida is the melting pot of America. This is like, oh, my God. <laughs> Alaska is the place where people go to hide, okay? Florida is the place where people go to retire and do crazy stuff. Alaska is where people go to hide, Miller. I mean, this is some crazy stuff going on. <laughs> like, one of the things I know, if you're a convicted felon, you can't have a handgun, but you can still have a rifle or a shotgun because bears will come out of nowhere and try to eat you. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, oh, Alaska is becoming Florida. That's all I'm saying. 
that is our episode. Uh, again, thank you so much, Rick and Seto, to coming out and joining us and talking about the amazing game called Star Renegades. Pick that sucker up on Steam. Lots of fun. It's like 20 bucks. Super cool. Uh, later on, either this year, early next year, uh, they don't have a set date yet on all other consoles, uh, including the Switch, which I am going to get. So I am excited. I need a Switch now. Damn it. You do need a Switch. <laughs> in other news, uh, we are finally on Amazon Music. Awesome! Yes! So, you can listen to us Amazon Music, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Gaming Trim Podcast will be there to greet you and say hi. You can follow me anywhere at The Raging Erica. And you can follow me anywhere at Dogfin Studios or my gaming channel, which is Mother Brain Gamer. Again, you can always email us your comments and questions at podcast at gamingtrend.com. And don't forget to add our Discord. Uh, super active. We talk daily. And that link will be in the description of this episode. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.